We all want some level of safety and security. Firefighters, construction workers, EMT. They're all there when you need them to help manage life's chaos. In retirement, you want that same level of safety, but who is there for you to make sure your money will last? Brian isn't just there in case of emergency. He's there so you don't have an emergency with your money. A safer retirement doesn't mean a boring retirement, but a prepared one full of the things that inspire you. This is Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker. Welcome to Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Aaron Ray of Decker Retirement Planning. As I always say to start this program, you can always go to the website, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. A lot of great information about Brian and the team, where the offices are and all of that. But it also has the opportunity for you, if you'd like to learn more about retirement, you've got some questions, you've got some concerns, you're not really sure about things. Well, there are 12 different things you could download on that website, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, under the heading of Safer Retirement Education. Uh, one of those would be Brian's book on retirement, The Decker Approach, Three Principles of Retirement Book, The Checklist Challenge, Sample Income Plan. That's only four of the 12 things that you can download, but it's all there for your information. There's no cost, obviously, to download any or all of that. It's really there to help you. And then if you have questions afterwards, you might want to give them a call. So again, it's DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. Under the heading of Safer Retirement Education, check that out. And certainly get Brian's book. That'd be great. No cost to you. Uh, learn a little bit more about retirement. You can always give him a call, though. There's no cost for that uh, to do so. It's 833-707-3030. 833-707-3030. All right, Brian, you and Aaron are going to have a conversation today on Safer Retirement Radio. Where are you headed? A little legislative risk? Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, we're going to talk about the SECURE Act that was passed a couple of years ago and how it affects retirements, uh, retirees. We're going to talk about the impact of economic shifts with Social Security, retirement savings, interest rates. Then we're going to follow up probably at the very end with rising health care costs and strategies to address all of that. So the first SECURE Act was done, voted in, in in 2019, went into effect in 2020. The SECURE Act 2.0 came at what, at the end of 2021 and went into action in 2022 or went in in 2022, came out in 2023. I don't know where we are. Somewhere in there, we've had two SECURE Acts, but they both affect retirees, don't they? Right. So, Aaron, um, let's let's hit the high points of the SECURE Act. So, what are the big major takeaways for retirees on the SECURE Act 2.0? So, there's going to be a couple things, and they, they did a lot of um, variety within this. Um, and so, the original one um, talked a little bit about, the original SECURE Act talked a little bit about eliminating the stretch IRA and the 10-year rule for when beneficiaries received those uh, those funds, the Secure Act 2.0 got into some other things around employer-based plans like your 401k, um, some of the options that are available there. Um, it also made some changes to the required minimum distribution ages, which are pretty awesome to have those pushed back a little bit. It means that people have a longer time period before they're um, required to take those distributions out. Um, some changes to the catch-up contributions. So we can dive into all of those that'll be very applicable to the the people that we work with here in the retiree community. Good. Let's let's pick one and start at the top and just work through it. Okay. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about um, automatic 401k enrollment. So this will be something that hopefully most everybody's already doing, but if not, this makes it just a little bit easier. So previously to this legislation being passed, when you got into a new position and uh, you had the opportunity to participate in an employer 401k plan or a 3B plan, any of those, uh, those employer plans, a lot of times they made it so that you had to do the work to opt into that specific employer plan. It wasn't just an automatic thing. 
um, you had to go seek out the HR or do all the paperwork, whatever, to actually get that started. With this change, Congress essentially wanted to make it so that it was much easier for people to get involved in those plans and a much lower bar of effort. And so basically the switch now is it's an opt-out segment instead of an opt-in segment, meaning that when you get signed up at a new position, uh, go start a new job somewhere, you're automatically enrolled in their employer-based 401k plan. And if you don't want to do that, you are then required to opt out. So again, just giving a little bit of a push over that uh, over that edge to make sure that people get enrolled in the 401ks. The other one that's going to be really helpful for our um, typically older clientele is the new catch-up contribution. So right now, the catch-up contribution for people 50 and older is $7,500 per year on top of, so that catch-up contribution is on top of the normal limits that everybody has. Before um, 2025, starting in 2025, that contribution is going up to $10,000 instead of $7,500. And that limit is going to be indexed for inflation. So as the years go on, inflation goes up, that catch-up contribution is going to continue to bump up, which is always nice because typically later in your career, have a little bit higher earning power, may have less set expenses with kids starting to leave and other things. And so having a little bit of an extra room uh, to, to contribute to those accounts is awesome. So those are a couple of things right off the bat from a 401k standpoint. Okay. Let's talk more about that catch-up provision because that has a that has quite a tax implication on your beneficiaries. So if you've got an IRA and you pass it on to your uh, beneficiaries, they have 10 years that they have to pay the rest of the tax. So I want to put some numbers on this so that people understand the implications of how, and by the way, Aaron, I just want to ask you, what are your thoughts? Why did they put that 10 year uh, requirement on beneficiaries to pay out the rest of uh, the taxes owed on an IRA? What, what is your thought? <laughs> I, I chuckle because this is uh, th there's a lot of good things um, that the government provides for, but uh, this is them just wanting to get their tax revenue a little faster. So when you have a lifetime of a working career to build up the 401k or traditional IRA assets, that's all pre-tax money. So you've never given a dime of tax revenue to the government from all of the earnings and the contributions that you've put into that account. And uh, obviously they need that to fund whatever their purposes are. And so that's uh, the stretch IRA is kind of combined with required minimum distributions where when you either get old enough or pass that money to beneficiaries, kids or other people, um, they want to start making you withdraw the money out of that account and actually get the tax revenue from those distributions. So previous to the passing of this, the, the original Secure Act, you could have what's called a stretch IRA. And essentially if it was parents giving their, their kids those IRA funds, they were able to take the money out of those accounts over the course of their lifetime. There were some other specific rules that came into play, but the, the short of it is they had a much longer period of time to take the IRA withdrawals. Now, with the 10-year rule, they only have 10 years to pull all of that money out, which means that the government gets their tax revenue a little sooner. Okay. And half, you're right. It's always about money. And the IRS and Congress love the IRA, especially now that Secure Act 2.0 has put a 10-year limitation on it, because what used to happen before is there would, uh, let's say that the mortality age is 86. I'll just make up a number around there, 86 for women, 84 for men, something like that. Let's say it's 85. Half the people then die before 85. And they would, um, let's say you, your parents died at 65. Well, their required minimum distribution schedule 
that payout back to Congress could take 20 plus years. Congress didn't like that. So they shortened it up to a requirement of 10 years. Well, I want to give numbers to people listening. And by the way, if you're driving, listening to this, you should pull over because you're going to swerve when I, when I tell you these final numbers on how this affects beneficiaries in, uh, in taxes owed. And, and also, Aaron, I want to spend a minute on the solution that we at Decker Retirement Planning have on Secure Act 2.0. So instead of just going along, maximizing the fatted cow called the IRA, your 401k transfers to an IRA retirement, you invest it, you don't, do, you don't take any uh, income from it. That's exactly the wrong thing to do. But let's say that you do that. Here are the numbers that suggest there has got to be a better way. 60-year-old million-dollar IRA growing at 6% a year at age 72 dutifully pays his required minimum distribution taxes, and at age 90, we killed him off. How much tax did he owe? Well, in his life, he paid 676732.22. But wait, there's more because Secure Act 2.0 requires the rest of the taxes be paid by beneficiaries, which is another 718,496.14, total of almost 1.4 million, to be exact, 1,395,228.36. Now, this is the number that's going to make you swerve if you're driving. Think of this. The most tax-inefficient vehicle on the planet has 30 years of an IRA growing at 6% a year and the net of tax transfer is a measly one a million two twenty three three eight five. Let me say that again. After thirty years of growing a million dollars in an IRA at six percent per year for thirty years, the net of tax transfer to beneficiaries is a dismally small million two twenty three three eight five. So, Aaron, what's the better way? What do we do at Decker Retirement Planning? What's our end around on uh, the Secure Act 2.0, just hammering people with taxes? Yeah, this is actually one of my um, favorite things from a tax planning strategy. This is the strategic IRA to Roth conversion strategy. So most people know what an IRA account is. They've contributed to their 401k, all of those pre-tax accounts. Um, a lot of people do know what an IRA to Roth conversion strategy is, but a lot of people haven't ever actually taken the step to execute on it. And they're missing out on a lot of taxable advantages, both for them and for the beneficiaries that receive those funds. And so what we typically do is take a look at where clients are in those federal marginal tax brackets and on a year by year basis, determine what dollar amount is the best decision for them to convert from IRA to Roth. So we pull the money out of those IRA accounts, pay taxes on that, stick it into the Roth account. But from there, the Roth account grows tax-free. You can pull income out of it tax-free and the beneficiaries receive those funds tax-free. So you have to pay a little bit up front, but there are way more advantages to doing that than having that funds or those funds just sit in the IRA or the 401k account. And so doing that gives you a lot of advantages, not only from a dollar standpoint, but from a flexibility standpoint. So Brian, I'll have you talk about the numbers around this in just a second, but I like to point out a couple of things that sometimes people don't think about in regards to Roth conversions. The, the first one is going to be around the flexibility of the account after you've done the conversion. Um, so like you mentioned, required minimum distributions, not optional. The government has that as a mandate and there's pretty heavy penalties if you decide not to take those withdrawals out of the account. So starting at age 73 or 75 now, you have to do that. 
whether you like it or not. With Roth funds, you no longer owe any taxes on there. So the IRS, the federal government, doesn't care when you pull that money out. You could pull it all out right away. You could never pull it out. You could do a mix. So it gives you a lot more flexibility over when you actually decide to take withdrawals from that or whether you just leave the entire account for your beneficiaries. So that's the first one. There's a five-year requirement from conversion to make sure that withdrawal is tax-free. You got to wait five years. Yeah. So the five-year rule gets into some more some more details, but um, th- there's a couple of things that are a little, little trickier there. But the short of it is once you get past age 59 and a half, um, if you have had a Roth account open previously, let's say you've had one, you've got just a little bit of money in it. When you do conversions after that age 59 and a half, you don't have to worry about that five-year rule anymore. It's only if you have not previously had a Roth IRA account open. So That's good we can point. talk about. And so the, the second part is around spouses. Um, so a lot of people will want to project what their income is going to be over their lifetime. And I mean, statistically speaking, you, like you said, Brian, they're probably going to pass away in their early to mid eighties, but you don't really know. It, it's very possible that uh, the husband or the wife passes away at 70 and then the surviving spouse lives to be 85 or 90. And so at the point in time that one of the spouses dies, the surviving spouse is then going to be a single filer instead of a married filing jointly couple. And so even if you have about the same level of taxable income coming in, the overall tax amount, the tax burden that you're going to pay is going to go way up because those brackets essentially get cut in half. And so again, with IRA to Roth conversions, it means that at the point in time that you do have one spouse pass away, if you're then taking Roth IRA assets out instead of pre-tax or traditional IRA assets out, you don't have to worry about a major increase in your overall tax burden because again, those taxes are already taken care of up front. So a couple of things there that uh, are important to keep in mind that are advantages on top of just the dollar figures that uh, that you'll go into here in just a second. So we'll get Brian's numbers on this topic that Aaron was talking about when we come back. Glad you're with us today on Safer Retirement Radio with Aaron and Brian of Decker Retirement Planning. Again, if you'd like to learn more about how does this affect me, that stretch our IRA has gone away. What do I do? Well, how do I take advantage of Roth? Do I? It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense for everybody. makes sense for a lot of folks. But we don't know about you until you reach out. Give the team a call at 833-707-3030. Again, no cost for this, no obligation, no pressure whatsoever. Ryan and Aaron and the team don't know if they can help you until you reach out. They'd love to help you, uh, but can they? They don't know. 833-707-3030. But I think the the greatest thing about this is you're going to find out where you are. Get some clarity into your retirement picture. Can you retire? Well, when can I retire? You're going to find out. 833-707-3030. Ryan and Aaron back with more of Safer Retirement Radio right after this. Have you ever done something and then thought, well, that was a giant waste of money? You might have that same thought in retirement if you don't plan for taxes. Call the team at Decker Retirement Planning to make sure you aren't giving more to Uncle Sam than you have to. 833-707-3030. That's 833-707-3030. Who likes uncertainty? Wall Street certainly doesn't. With near record inflation and partisan politics, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. What will America's future look like? What will your future look like? Will your taxes go up? Will your savings go down? For more than three decades, Brian Decker has seen uncertainty come and go. No matter what the future holds, Brian and the team at Decker Retirement can help you create a plan designed to preserve your finances in uncertain times. And it's not a matter of if those uncertain times 
times will show up, but when? Call 833-707-3030 now to meet with Brian Decker and the Decker Retirement Team. If uncertainty is causing you to feel insecure, Brian Decker can help. Call 833-707-3030 and schedule your visit today. 833-707-3030. Investment advisory and insurance services offered through Decker Retirement Planning, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. You're listening to Safer Retirement Radio. If you like what you hear on today's show or have questions, drop by DeckerRetirementPlanning.com or call 833-707-3030 to talk to Brian. Welcome back to Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Aaron Ray of Decker Retirement Planning. You got questions about anything they're talking about or just questions on your own? Boy, what if something happens to me? Will my family be okay? If we retire, are we going to be okay? That's what we really want to know. 833-707-3030. Again, is the number. No cost to you uh, to chat with the team. 833-707-3030. It's an opportunity for you to get some clarity into your retirement picture. That's priceless, as the old MasterCard commercial used to say. 833-707-3030. I'm Mark Elliott. Glad you're with us. All right, Brian, Aaron was going to throw it to you to give us some numbers, so I'll let you pick up the conversation. All right. Before I pick up some numbers, I just want to add a couple of things. Who on this planet thinks that, well, at least in this country, thinks that in, that tax rates are going to go down? Well, no one. So that's why we proactively pay taxes today so that all of that growth grows tax-free. That's point one. Second point is what we want to do, Aaron, is walk and chew gum. We want to do two things in retirement. You want to, when you retire at 60, 65, somewhere in there, ideally you want to start drawing on your IRA now so that your exposure at age 73 or greater is less and tax rates before they go up. That's point two. Point three, starting right away, we want to start talking about converting like you described, mathematically looking at your tax bracket, looking at your gross income minus your standard deduction, using your AGI to determine how much quote unquote headroom you've got to convert from IRA to Roth and stay in the same tax bracket. That's the right way to do it. But there's another factor and that's where to do it. Do you do you convert IRA to Roth with your bank account balances? Heck no, you would never do that. Neither do you do it in your shorter term investment um, bond ladders, one, three, five, seven, 10 years, none of your principal guaranteed accounts, in our opinion, should be converted from IRA to Roth. It's just the risk money. The risk money is growing the longest at the highest rate of return. That's where we're going to make the biggest bang for the buck with client portfolio and making sure that those that, that $300,000, $500,000 IRA doesn't grow to $2 million. Now you owe taxes on $2 million instead of paying taxes on three, four, $500,000. So what, what we want to do is take that $300,000 IRA, convert it to Roth, and then grow that money to $2 million tax-free. So Aaron, here's the numbers that you mentioned. Um, so just for people who are tuning in, if someone took a million-dollar IRA growing at 6% a year, and then at age 72, pays required minimum distributions. At age 90, we killed him off. In his life, he paid 676732.22 in taxes. His beneficiaries paid 718496.14, a total of 1,395228.36. Almost 1.4 million in taxes. And the number, and we're just repeating here for new listeners, 
After 30 years of growing a million-dollar IRA at 6% a year, the net of tax transfer is a measly, dismal $1,223,385. So let's contrast that to someone who does Roth conversions. So in this case, we proactively pay taxes now so that it can grow tax-free and distribute income back to you tax-free and pass to beneficiaries, keywords, tax-free. So in this case, we convert 225, 225, 225, 50,000 a year, same million dollar IRA growing at 6% a year so that at age 72, there's no IRA left. It's all converted. We killed him off at age 90. How much tax did he owe? Was it 1.4 million? No, it was a total of 319,474.93, savings of almost 1.1 million in taxes. And how about the net of tax transfer? Did he transfer 1.2 million to his kiddos? No, he transferred 4.1, 4,151,932. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the power of knowing how, where, why, when to convert IRA to Roth. A lot of people know that an IRA to Roth transfer conversion is important, but they don't know specialty, uh, especially like we do, how to properly do it. So Aaron, stupid analogy, but um, last year I had a hip replacement, still healing, still hurts. I don't like it at pickleball when they, when they drop a shot down by my left foot because I can't turn on that and pick that up. But I didn't go to a dentist for that surgery. I went to an orthopedic surgeon that specializes and has done thousands of those surgeries. I had a good outcome, but dentists are nice people but they don't do what I needed done. I hope the listeners are listening very carefully. If you want this done properly, go to someone who does, does it all the time and does it well. Yep, I agree. It's uh, it's one of those things that's, eh, I mean, from a surface level approach, it's, it's not rocket science to do this, but it is baffling to me how many financial professionals either don't look at it at all or they kind of look at it and then never actually implement it. Um, I mean, if you go talk to people that have had experiences with CPAs, tax accountants, other uh, financial advisors, it's pretty common that people have never heard of or never actually had anybody um, proactively take this approach with them. And for a lot of the people that we work with, it's very likely to be the greatest tax savings they have available to them for the rest of their life. And so where this can make such a massive difference for both the people that have the funds now and for those that are going to be inheriting them later, there are exceptions. But for the most part, we do this with almost all of our clients because it's going to be advantageous for both you and the beneficiaries. Tax rates are set to increase in 2026 if there's no tax legislation up until that point in time. And then like you said earlier, Brian, in 5, 10, 20 years, yeah, we don't really know what the tax rates are going to be. But we would be very surprised if they're if they're lower than they are now. So historically speaking, federal tax rates are pretty low. It's not unrealistic to think that they could get back to some of those levels we've seen in the past. Okay, Aaron, let's take a couple of minutes on this uh, other one you mentioned with the with the Secure Act 2.0. Well, we handled the first point here: people automatically be enrolled in uh, retirement plans by their employers. Let's talk about the second one: new rules around hardship withdrawals will allow people to use their retirement savings to pay for emergencies. So shed some light on that. Sure. So there's always been exceptions to the rules around withdrawals from retirement accounts. Now, the the typical age is that you have to be 59 and a half 
for those withdrawals not to have a 10% penalty or an early distribution penalty on them. Um, and so in the past, there's been some exceptions that are allowed from those things. One of the adjustments in the SECURE Act um, 2.0 that they made was that you can take a yearly distribution of $1,000 for a hardship withdrawal. The caveat is that the funds do have to be repaid within three years. So if you do take that $1,000 distribution out of there and the funds are not repaid within that three-year time period, they basically remove your ability to take any additional hardship withdrawal. So if you have some type of emergency, you have a car repair come up, some type of a thing that needs to be done in your house, you got to replace an appliance, something like that, and you don't have a great emergency fund build up, they do allow you to take that $1,000 withdrawal from your 401k plan or an IRA. Um, there's no penalties, like the typical 10% penalty, but you do have to pay it back within that three-year time period or they revoke your ability to take those hardship withdrawals. So it's a great thing. It's kind of an intermediate way to get funds if you need them. If you don't have a great emergency fund built up, good, uh, good little interim option for you there. All right, Aaron, what about this last point here? Employees will be able to match student loan payments with contributions to employee retirement accounts? Yes. So on that one, so previously there's been a couple of different ways that employers are able to basically match the, the savings. The most typical one is that uh, they'll match three, four, five percent of whatever the contribution is that you put in. And that just goes typically into a pre-tax account that is known as the employer match. One of the options that they have available now is that if you make a payment to your student loan debt, the contribution from your employer's side can actually be part of that uh, that 401k addition um, for you paying off that debt. So basically, it's a way for you to pay down your student loan debt and have your employer still match the money that you otherwise would have put in your 401k. So a great way for people to be able to uh, continue to drop those student loan balances. So we're talking Secure Act 1.0, which did away with a stretch IRA, 2.0 moved the, again, the required minimum distribution age up to 73. Uh, and of course, in 2033, it goes to 75. So I'm 64. My RMD age will be 75. So a lot of moving parts. Do you move money to the Roth world while taxes are low? Do you have time to do it? Call the team and find out. 833-707-3030. 833-707-3030. There's no cost to you whatsoever. It's just a great opportunity for you to get a little clarity into your retirement picture. 833-707-3030. We're going to talk about the impact of economic shifts when we come back on Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Aaron Ray of Decker Retirement Planning. Stay with us. Do you need help ensuring any remaining assets that you've worked so hard to create are distributed to your beneficiaries in the most tax-efficient manner? If you would like to talk or meet with Brian about your legacy planning, call 833-707-3030. Again, that's 833-707-3030. Have you noticed the market's roller coaster ride lately? Even a single day's dip can significantly impact your retirement. If the idea of shielding your nest egg from market volatility resonates with you, it's time to talk to the experts at Decker Retirement Planning. Call us now at 833-707-3030. Our unique approach aims to dial down the risk, keeping about 25 to 30% of your assets at risk. Instead of the conventional 60-40 pie chart, at Decker Retirement Planning, we don't use a pie chart. We strive to offer you a detailed retirement income plan it's about seeing the bigger picture, aligning your investments to your long-term goals, and making informed decisions. Whether you're new to retirement planning or already have a plan, we can help. 
Call Decker Retirement today to learn about the six things we do well for our clients that all financial advisors should be doing. Call 833-707-3030 today. That's 833-707-3030. Investment advisory and insurance services offered through Decker Retirement Planning, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Glad you're with us today for Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Aaron Ray of Decker Retirement Planning. Again, you can go to the website, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, and under the heading of Safer Retirement Education, there are 12 different things you can download, including Brian's book on retirement, the Decker Approach book. Uh, there's no cost to you. Take Download any or all, whatever you'd like. It's all there for your information. DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, under the heading of Safer Retirement Education. Of course, you can always give them a call with questions, 833-707-3030. Maybe this year, the year you retire. Maybe you're already retired. You got some concerns. 833-707-3030. All right, Brian, you talk Secure Act 1.0, Secure Act 2.0. Uh, and now you're going to talk about the impact of economic shifts. And I would think that those Secure Acts impacted the economy as well for retirees, especially. Where are you going with this? I bet we closed the show with this one. This is a biggie. Economic shifts and the impacts on retirees. Let's start with a big one, inflation. Inflation is the, co the cost to a retiree who's retired with fixed assets, um, maybe even fixed income with Social Security and pension, and having to keep up. How do they keep up with rising prices? So I'll never forget um, when I was in, gosh, I remember when I was in high school, I used to fill up my motocross bike, 25 cents uh, would be a gallon of gas. Now it's in a lot of markets, it's four or $5. Um, homes have gone up from, I bought my first home at 90,000. Now the average home price is well over 500,000. Um, cars used to cost three or $4,000. Now they're 10 times that. How does a retiree who is going to be retired for 25, 30 years, how do they defend that, Aaron? How do we Let's talk about how we build in inflation protection um, and talk about how we build in for, for our clients at Decker Retirement Planning, the ways that they can combat that and keep up with it. Yeah. So there's going to be a number of things that are helpful when combating inflation. Um, and, and really what we want to focus on is a number of things. There's the diversity in the portfolio. There's going to be certain assets or certain investment strategies that lend themselves better to helping to offset some of the costs of inflation. Um, and so the, the first one that we, I mean, there's going to be in, in involved in pretty much everybody's retirement is going to be Social Security. And so Social Security is likely not going to cover all of your expenses. It's going to be a smaller portion of the overall income that you have coming in. But luckily, they do index that for inflation. Um, sometimes it's zero, sometimes it's eight and a half percent, as it was with this recent spike that we had um, just a couple of years ago. But that does help with the offsets of inflation a little bit. The other thing that we focus on very heavily here at Decker Retirement Planning is the protected accounts that we have here. So those principal guaranteed accounts that we help put into each of our clients' financial plans really help with not only the protection on the downside of the assets, but also being able to continue to accumulate while taking those out as income. Because at the end of the day, what people want to have is to stay retired. They want to feel comfortable. They want to be able to provide for both the needs and the wants that they have. And some of the clients that we have, they're, they're going to be in retirement for another 20, 30, maybe even 40 years. 
And so over that time period, inflation tends to eat away at your, your total funds there, what you have from other income sources. You may have a pension or um, other things coming in that are just fixed amounts that don't grow with the cost of living adjustment. And so we want to make sure that all of the other parts that you do have, the flexibility of where to place that money can help offset that. So that first part is the principal guaranteed accounts, being able to supply for that. The other part that's a very heavy help with this is the risk account. Um, being able to have those growth oriented assets where we are exceeding the rate of inflation, helping you to grow those accounts so that at the point in time when they're needed for income later, you have enough to be able to supply for those needs plus whatever the inflation effects have been over the last number of years. So there's a couple to, to start with there. Okay. And what about what we build in for the planning with the colas and the, the hedges that we have in place in their plan? Yeah. So the first one is going to be that COLA, like you said, Brian, the cost of living adjustment. So with every plan that we put into place, we apply that cost of living adjustment to the income that we are going to be providing over time. So it's not like somebody comes and says, hey, I need, I don't know, $8,000 a month, and that's going to be the same forever. We want to index that so that year over year, they're getting an annual increase in the income so that when inflation does happen, as it inevitably does, the, the effect over 5, 10, 20 years isn't going to be hurtful from their cost of living or their um, their standard of living there. And so we apply that to every plan, just making sure that there's a built-in calculation um, for the amount that they're going to have there. Um, and then we also have other assets that can help with that. For example, hard assets. So you're going to have things like your home is probably the best example of this, where you have your house that almost always beats the rate of inflation. Now, the real estate market does um, does fluctuate from time to time, but the equity in your house typically keeps up and or exceeds inflation. And that is going to be an asset that you can touch if you need to, whether tapping into that, selling your house. Um, there's lots of ways to be able to, to tap the equity in your home. The other thing tied closely to that is just a downsize in your primary residence. We get a lot of people that get older, um, they live in a pretty large house, may have a yard, a lot of maintenance that's going on, and they want to downsize, maybe go live in some place that has an HOA or an apartment building where they don't have to take care of the yard anymore. And so usually downsizing in your primary residence gives you an inflow of cash that you can also use for some of those inflationary expenses. Um, and that allows you to be able to have a little bit of a buffer just from a hard asset standpoint. So with inflation, the biggest, and, and what about potential inheritance? I mean, the all those things, yes, our clients have exposure to inflation, but when they have a COLA, when they have the hedge in place with uh, um, hard assets that act as a good inflation hedge, when we price in any potential future uh, inheritance, when we have a, a retirement plan that we show is growing at 6% and it's growing at much faster than that. Those are big inflation hedges. Uh, oh, and also the downsize. The downsize you mentioned of a lot of our clients where they get to their older age and I don't know, late 70s, early 80s, their back hurts, their knees hurt, all their joints hurt, garden's no fun anymore, stairs are no fun, their friends are calling them, telling them to come down to the retirement community, they sell their home for X, buy a condo for Y, there's an influx of capital of several hundred thousand that comes into the plan. All of those things factor into a retirement plan that yes, has inflation exposure, but their inflation risk with all of those things factored in is very small. 
Aaron, what else would you add on to inflation before we talk about the actual interest rate part of that equation? I think that one other thing that's important to consider here is the spending habits that you're likely to have over your retirement years. Um, inflation has fluctuated uh, over the course of the last 100, 150 years. But from what we've seen from doing this type of planning for a number of years now is that this typical spending habits of clients are that they're going to spend more in the first probably 10 to 15 years of retirement rather than when you're 85, 95 years old. Probably not going to be going on a two-month-long vacation over to Asia when you're 87, right? So there's going to be a heavier focus on just the typical expenses of your, your residence, maybe transportation, food, healthcare costs versus a lot of those discretionary things that are going to cost you a little bit more money. It's the uh, the go-go years versus the slow-go years. So a lot of times what we like to focus on is making sure that our clients have enough money during the first 10 to 15 years of those go-go years to make sure that they can go do all of those things that they've put off for the last 30, 40 years during their working career. Go fly around and visit the grandkids, go on the vacations, do all of the fun hobbies, all those other things that you've waited so long to do. And then you can typically tailor back some of the inflationary measures when you get into your later 80s, early 90s, just because at that point in time, you're not going to have as many needs from a discretionary spending standpoint. So that's also a pretty important thing to consider when you're looking at just the timing of when you're going to spend those assets and how to build that into that overall portfolio and investment strategy. And there's a silver lining to inflation and that's higher interest rates. So three years ago, we used to have 0.47 on the 10-year treasury and interest rates, the savings rate for CDs were horrible. So the the good news, if there is any good news in inflation, uh, the good news is that seniors, retirees are getting great rates on uh, money market accounts, uh, CDs. Uh, so talk a little bit about how what you've seen in our principal guaranteed side uh, that's a silver lining of the higher interest rates. Yeah, it's been great from this this standpoint. I mean, I know that the, the, the news tends to tout most of the negative stuff, but they just focus on the fact that inflation's super high. But when your focus is on taking the assets and the money that you currently have and maximizing that while still protecting it, it's phenomenal to have a higher Fed rate because those fixed rate instruments provide much higher rates of interest than they used to. I mean, if you to, to cite your example there, Brian, if you look at even just like a one-year CD, two-year CD a couple years ago, it wasn't even worth locking your money up for the 0.1 or 0.2% interest they were going to give you. Now you can get five, five and a half percent on those safe fixed rate assets. And so we typically ladder in durations for some of those fixed and variable interest rate products. And that allows our clients that already have those assets build up to see a much higher rate of return over time. And inflation's not going to stay high forever. It's already on a downward tra trajectory. Hopefully it'll continue that way. And where we have the ability to lock in a lot of those higher interest rate products now and interest or uh, inflation will look hopefully be a little bit lower in a couple of years and then moving forward, it means that you have a really good time frame now to get a lot of those higher rate products before that goes back down. So laddering those into our, our financial plans now has been phenomenal for our clients, gives them a much higher rate of interest than they expected just a couple of years ago and allows them to have a higher level of income than they used to, all while still providing that level of protection that they've come to expect from our, uh, our services here. Okay, Aaron, thanks. Let's let's hit this last point. Let's save the last segment for talking about rising healthcare costs. 
It's interesting that the government talks about inflation, inflation being at what, 3% or targeted at 2%. Well, if you look at the historical cost of healthcare inflation, it's multiples of that and has been for decades. Rising healthcare costs is something that hits retirees very hard. So we'll talk about uh, the solutions that are available for seniors and retirees for healthcare expenses, which can consume a significant portion of retirement savings. So we'll hit that next. So we're headed to our final segment of today's Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Aaron Ray of Decker Retirement Planning. Again, questions, concerns, 833-707-3030. No cost to you. 833-707-3030. Back with our final segment right after this. Is the price tag on everything giving you sticker shock? From groceries to gas, the cost of living is skyrocketing. But if you think inflation is painful now, just wait till you retire. Ease inflation's impact on your retirement dreams by calling Brian and start preparing today. 833-707-3030. Again, that's 833-707-3030. Have you noticed the market's roller coaster ride lately? Even a single day's dip can significantly impact your retirement. If the idea of shielding your nest egg from market volatility resonates with you, it's time to talk to the experts at Decker Retirement Planning. Call us now at 833-707-3030. Our unique approach aims to dial down the risk, keeping about 25 to 30% of your assets at risk. Instead of the conventional 60-40 pie chart, at Decker Retirement Planning, we don't use a pie chart. We strive to offer you a detailed retirement income plan. It's about seeing the bigger picture, aligning your investments to your long-term goals, and making informed decisions. Whether you're new to retirement planning or already have a plan, we can help. Call Decker Retirement today to learn about the six things we do well for our clients that all financial advisors should be doing. Call 833-707-3030 today. That's 833-707-3030. Investment advisory and insurance services offered through Decker Retirement Planning, Inc., a registered investment advisor. You're listening to Safer Retirement Radio. If you like what you hear on today's show or have questions, drop by DeckerRetirementPlanning.com or call 833-707-3030 to talk to Brian. Glad you're with us today for Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Aaron Ray of Decker Retirement Planning. You can always learn more on the website, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. And again, under the heading of Safer Retirement Education, 12 different things you can download. Now, really, there's no cost to you to download any or all of those, but they're there for your information, including Brian's book on retirement, The Decker Approach. Uh, We covered a lot of ground today, and if you have questions about it, again, the number is 833-707-3030, 3030. All right, Brian, you're down to the final 13 minutes. Good luck to you and Aaron. All right. I want to talk about healthcare costs, rising healthcare costs, and how to combat them or what's our response to them. So there's several ways that we um, want to address this, uh, Aaron. So let's let's take, uh, first of all, how can people save for them? And then let's go into uh, how what options are available as far as long-term care and other options. Sounds great. So there's a number of different ways that you can plan for just the out-of-pocket costs that you're going to have to endure for healthcare. Now, part of that focus is going to be on what your healthcare options are later. I know during their working career, sometimes people have uh, different forms of insurance through work. The point in time that you retire, most people are going to do that either at the point in time that they're eligible for Medicare, which they would just jump on that, or 
you're going to have to find some other plan to cover until the point in time that you hit age 65. So not only are you going to have to cover normal insurance costs, but there's also things that come about um, that are outside what uh, a normal insurance is going to cover. And some of those are um, things that are going to be more or less important. But to save for those things, you want to make sure to account for those. Now, a lot of people have that as just, hey, I'll pay when it gets there. Just pull it out of my savings account. That's not necessarily a bad idea. You can just have a emergency fund and part of that is going to be allocated towards what you're going to uh, incur for those healthcare expenses. The other one that I really, really like is going to be an HSA, a health savings account. So I want to spend a little bit of time on this, talking about what it is, why it's advantageous, some of the pros and cons for ways to use it. Because um, I, I talk to a lot of people that like, yeah, I know what an HSA account is or my, my employer contributes a little bit, but they don't really understand how helpful or how valuable those accounts can be. So the first thing is I want to explain what it is. So a health savings account is a account that you can contribute dollars to if you are enrolled in a high deductible health plan. So that's going to be the first thing that you have to pay attention to is are you in a high deductible health plan? So there's going to be certain uh, options that your employer provides you that are not eligible to be able to have an HSA. So make sure that if you do want to take advantage of this, that you are in a high deductible health plan. Now, assuming that's the case, here are the current limits for 2024. If you're an individual on that, you can uh, contribute $4,150. If it's for a family coverage, it's $8,300. And those 55 and older can contribute an additional $1,000 as a catch-up contribution. Now, the tax benefits of an HSA account are phenomenal. So if you think about a like a normal 401k account, the money goes into the account pre-tax, it grows tax deferred, but you're going to pay your regular income tax rates when you take it out. Um, on a Roth, it's the opposite. You pay the taxes up front, but you don't pay taxes later. The HSA account actually has tax advantages on both sides where the contributions going in are pre-tax and the withdrawals coming out are also not taxed. So the contribution in, the growth, and the distribution, when you actually take that money out and spend it, none of that has any taxable consequences. So it's phenomenal from a tax standpoint. So the larger balance you can get in there, the more you're going to have available to you later. And the way that this money is allocated is it's technically a health savings account, meaning you have to take distributions from this account for health-related needs. So if you pull out, I don't know, a thousand bucks to be able to go do a home repair for some other thing, they're going to give you a penalty on that. So the penalties are that you do pay your regular income tax rates on the distribution plus, and here's the painful part, a 20% penalty on that. So if you pull a thousand bucks out, you're going to pay your regular income tax rates plus an extra 200 bucks as a penalty. So it's even worse than the IRA or, or the Roth distributions. But here's the exception on this. Once you get to age 65, you actually have the ability to take distributions out of that for non-medical expenses without any penalties. You're just going to pay your regular income tax rates on the distributions. So again, phenomenal account for tax savings, for the ability to be able to have both the contributions and the withdrawals be tax-free. And it allows you at any age to be able to take the money out for health-related expenses after age 65 gives you the advantage of being able to take that out for anything. You'll just pay your tax rate income-wise on any of those distributions. So 
Now that was a lot of stuff all at once. Brian, tell me what questions or thoughts you have on that so far. I was going to say, which HSA do you like? But there's just one, right? Yeah. I mean, HSAs can be held in a number of different companies. There are HSA specific companies like, like Health Equity and a couple others. But a lot of times the HSA plan that you're able to contribute to is going to be dictated by your employer. Um, they have an agreement with one. Sometimes you're able to do that on your own. And there's a number of companies that offer that as an individual service. So there's pros and cons to each of them. I would just go on Google and look at it, but there's going to be HSA specific companies that help with a lot of those different services. The biggest differences that I've seen in them are just what they allow you to do from an investment standpoint. So when you actually get money into the account, what they allow you to invest the funds into, some are more flexible than others. So based off of what you're hoping to put the money into, I would just take a look at the different offerings and decide what you'd like to do there. Okay, let's close the show with this here. And this can be a lot of information, Aaron. Long-term care, what are the options, advantages, disadvantages? Yeah, so long-term care, there's pros and cons to going this. Typically, we talk about three different routes for taking care of long-term care. The first one, self-insurance. You don't want to buy any kind of additional policy or coverage. You are just planning on paying for those expenses out of pocket if there were to be a situation for either you or your spouse needing that care. So that's option number one. Option number two is a standalone long-term care policy. You can think of this pretty similar to uh, term life insurance where you pay a monthly or yearly premium. If you use or if you need the benefit, you get to use that. If you don't, you've just paid for that insurance. Typically don't recommend those ones just because they're so expensive for the typical policies and you don't really know whether you're going to use the benefit or not. So you could pay on that policy for 20 or 30 years and never really get a benefit out of it. So typically don't recommend option two. The third one is what we do recommend if people want to have long-term care specific coverage. And this is known as asset-based long-term care insurance. So there's actually a few different ways to get the money out of one of these policies. The way that they work is you typically pay into them over the course of a number of years. Could be a lump sum up front. A lot of people space it out over five, seven, or 10 years, and then you're done. You don't have to pay any additional amounts in. There's no additional premium needed. And at that point in time, you have the ability to get the money out of the policy in one of three ways. Option number one, you actually need the long-term care coverage. So say you end up in a long-term care facility um, you apply for the benefit and they're going to pay you out a monthly amount that uh, coincides with whatever the policies you put into place. Say it's like give you six grand a month. Or whatever. The second option is that you pass away before having used any of the benefit. So this does have life insurance aspects to it where they're going to give you a death benefit if you die before having used any of that long-term care benefit. And that is typically a little higher than you pay into the policy. So if you put 75 grand into one of these policies, death benefit may be 85, 90 grand. And then the third option is, let's say you're, I don't know, 85, 90 years old. You're like, look, I'm never going to use this policy. I'm doing well. I want to just cancel it and get the money out. You have the ability to cancel the policy and get what's called a return of premium, where they're essentially just going to pay you back the money that you had originally invested into that. So again, that's a little more advantageous where you know you're going to get a benefit in some form or another out of the policy instead of just paying premium on years or years on end for that. And that is typically what we do recommend if people want uh, specific long-term care coverage. And what, uh, when it comes to long-term care, there's a scary statistic that says that 70% of Americans will spend time in a long-term care facility. What is, is that true? It's, statistics is a strange world. You can make uh, statistics to say basically anything that you want. So 
Um, the, the statistic that we like to rely on is straight from the source. And it is that only about 14% of retirees will ever spend time in a long-term care facility. And of those that do, the average stay time is 18 to 24 months. So, I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but for the most part, people either get better or they pass away in the long-term care facility. There's not a lot of people that spend 15 or 20 years there. And so the whole statistic around 70%, that's talking about people that have one day of, uh, let's just say you go and get a surgery and need one day of in-home health care. They count that as part of the uh, the people that are in that statistic. So it's, in our opinion, it's a little skewed for those that and, actually need. And, and hospice comes to your home now. So they count that too, right? Mm-hmm, correct. Yep. It's not actually moving into a facility. It's nurses and in-home health care and a lot of those other categories that aren't necessarily full-time um, live-in facilities. And Aaron, we have this uh, great quote at our company that if you need long-term care, you can't afford it. And if you can afford long-term care, you don't need it. Little background on that. Yeah. So, so it's one of those things where um, if you're looking at the self-insurance route, most of the time, if you have excess money to be able to pay for an additional long-term care insurance policy, you, you don't really need it from a mathematical standpoint. You could pay out of pocket for any care costs that come up for you or your spouse. But on the opposite side, if you don't have as high of a level of income or as high of a level of savings, then it may be helpful for you to have a long-term care policy. But paying for that also means that you're going to have less to provide for your normal expenses. So it's kind of a uh, uh, opposite side there where, like you said, if you have enough money to pay for it out of pocket, you probably don't need it. If you don't have enough money to pay for it out of pocket, you probably do need it. So radio listeners right now have a spectrum of assets there and you can't just make a blanket recommendation, but it's uh, per the individual and what their family history is, what their health is. But once you get past a certain age, you're SOL, right? What What is the age where you've kind of crossed the the boundary of having options open? What age is that? Uh, yeah. I mean, they'll take you. It, it all just depends on the fees, right? Like they'll insure somebody that's in their mid seventies, but it's probably not a great idea from a fee perspective. So a lot of times when we're looking at these types of policies, it's people that are still in their 60s. Now, once you get into like your early 70s, it's still possible to get that insurance, but depending upon the specific situation and the the actual health underwriting and a couple other things, it may be cost prohibitive to do that. Aaron, thanks so much for your insight. We covered a lot of ground today um, and sure appreciate your insight on all of it. I know we have some ridiculous options out there. I want to warn people against the Safe Harbor Trust. Um, and it'll be very, very careful on what options that you do take on for long-term care expenses. Mark? Yep. So again, if you'd like to talk with Brian, Aaron, and the team at Decker Retirement about anything on your mind when it comes to your retirement, uh, do I have enough? Can I retire? Well, when can I retire? Will my money last as long as I needed to? Are we going to be okay if we retire? 833-707-3030. No cost to you. Totally complimentary. 833 3030. Might be one of the more important phone calls for you to make. 20-minute phone call and find out where you're going to be in the next 20, 30 years. Hey, I can retire. I need to do a little bit more to be able to retire. Be great to know before you get into that situation. 833-707-3030. So thanks to Brian J. Decker and Aaron Ray of Decker Retirement Planning. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. 
security, and insurance services offered by Decker Retirement Planning, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Decker Retirement Planning is not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Decker Retirement Planning. This radio show is a paid placement.